Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you by Growmark FS. Keeping up on the latest in ag is a challenge, to say the least. But there are experts nearby ready to help. You'll find them at your local FS. You can trust them to bring you customized agronomic, grain, and energy solutions born of the latest thinking. That's because FS specialists receive continuous training that keeps them current on the latest trends, practices, and technologies. So you'll get local expertise that's both exceptional and up-to-date. Visit fssystem.com to learn how FS is bringing you what's next. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Well, we saw another positive day of trading in grains and livestock on Wednesday as the holiday trade settles in. Welcome to Market Talk. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show today once again. Great to have you with us as we talk markets and issues impacting rural America. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Always a pleasure to be here as we are entering that holiday time frame in the trade where things can get quiet. We get that thin, choppy, low volume, technical type of trade, but yet still had a fairly positive day across the grain sector as we look at Wednesday's action with winter wheat traders uh, worried about the cold weather and the snow that is impacting much of the country here this week and how that could affect it already struggling winter wheat crops. So that is something that helped uh, give us a little bit of a pop in the wheat market on the day Wednesday. Quarter beans just kind of chugging along in that thin trade with soybeans uh, bumping up against some resistance levels overhead. Good day in livestock as well. Traders have an eye on the upcoming kettle on feed quarterly hogs and pigs report as well as uh, this winter weather that is working through feedlot country right now. Also, plenty to discuss on the uh, market trade here today. We're going to do that coming up with our good friend Mike Zuzalo of Global Commodity Analytics. He's going to join us in segment two and three to run through some thoughts he has in this market trade as we enter into the Christmas holiday season and look to wrap up the year and move into 2023. And look forward to our discussion with Mike coming up here on the show today. We'll also have a look at a few uh, news headlines that are percolating here in agriculture. We'll get to those later on in the show. Want to kick things off, though, with some market thoughts, commentary, and analysis with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX. I talk to Arlen uh, typically every uh, midday during the trading session and got comments with Arlen from Wednesday's trade around midday where we saw that grains and livestock again having that solid day some technical type trading in there uh, i talked to arlen first about the grains we talk livestock and we also touch on the macro picture as well here are those comments with arlen suderman of stone x yeah as i look at it what i see is wheat leading the way higher followed by corn and soybeans soybeans are bumping up against that 1490 area of resistance once again which frankly is a little bit surprising that it's got the resiliency it does as, as China starts to look more toward Brazilian supplies, although they do need a few more soybeans from the United States yet to kind of close the gap ahead of the Brazilian harvest. Uh, but wheat really leading the way on this bitter cold Arctic air that's dropping down across the Midwestern plains. Commodity Weather Group estimating that a third, at least a third of the hard red winter wheat crop will be vulnerable to some level of winter kill damage from this because of lack of adequate snow cover. They're saying about 15% of the soft red winter wheat crop, but now the latest models are even exposing even more of the crop with lower snowfall levels. 
So that means we could go up to a third of the soft red winter wheat crop vulnerable to damage as well. Traders taking notice of that. Corn getting some boosts also from the cold weather, increasing feed needs of livestock across the Midwest. How about this livestock trade? It appears uh, some pretty good strength in this hog market kind of leading the way. Is some of this in cattle and hogs maybe positioning ahead of Friday's cattle on feed and quarterly hogs and pigs report, or is it something else, Arlen? Yeah, certainly the trade has got their eyes on the cattle on feed and quarterly hogs and pigs report data coming out the end of the week uh, in, in positioning for that. But I think they're also at their eyes on this cold weather dripping down. It's going to create some problems for livestock. The good news is, is it doesn't look like it's going to last long. So it doesn't look like it's going to be prolonged stress for livestock. But nevertheless, it is going to take some weight off of animals. It's going to delay movement to the to the slaughterhouses uh, and overall reduce wheat, uh, meat supplies. And we certainly saw that playing out yesterday already in the product market for beef uh, with some higher product prices there. So um, livestock markets really watching the weather too, just like uh, wheat traders and corn traders. Also in the outside markets, the macros, it looks like a good day on Wall Street Wednesday, crude oil up a little bit. I'm also hearing some rumors in the trade that China may be looking to stimulate their economy as we get into the new year some more. And I don't know, you know, it feels like just a rumor, but wondering if you're hearing the same and what your thoughts are in this uh, macro market here today. Well, there's been a lot of rumors around that China would add some stimulus and some indications that that might happen. So it is expected, but nothing has really been confirmed yet at this point. The outside market started off higher today, boosted by a better than expected earnings report from Nike, um, and then really surged higher when we got consumer confidence index data come out mid-morning, showing an unexpected jump in consumer confidence, both for the near-term current situation as well as expectations index going higher as well. It's really tied largely to the lower gasoline prices, making the consumer feel a little bit better about things. Uh, it was interesting to note, though, that even though confidence has improved, expectations for buying houses and big ticket items of appliances and going on vacations was still a little bit lower yet. So the consumer feels a little better about things, but still being cautious about any big ticket items. And once again, that is comments with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX, talking to him around midday on Wednesday as we look at that market trade that has been uh, fairly thin and choppy here as we enter into, of course, the Christmas holiday season. And uh, we're going to talk more about this coming up with Mike Zuzalo in just a little bit. One news item I'll share here before we get to the break. A new study shows that U.S. grown soybeans are well suited for people looking to cook, fuel up, or find other sustainable solutions. The United Soybean Board partnered with Purdue University to evaluate whether the increased use of soybean oil and biofuels has contributed to the rising retail prices of food products for consumers. They released this report here this week. One key element missing from this equation is that only one-fifth of the soybean is oil. Most of the soybean is meal used as a high-quality protein in animal diets. Now, this expanded crush for oil to meet biofuel demand creates increased availability for meal, driving down the price of animal protein products. Now, Jason Lusk of Purdue University says, quote, what we found after assessing the impact of rising soybean oil demand on prices at the grocery store was a little change to the consumer price index, end quote. Now, while the increased demand for biofuels pushed up retail prices for oil between 0.16 and 4.41 percent, 
retail animal product prices declined between 0.01 and 0.16%. So some interesting takeaways uh, from this report here from the United Soybean Board and their partnership with the uh, folks at Purdue University. And uh, something just to keep our eyes on here. As we continue to watch this expansion of crush across the country, I just find all of this uh, very, very interesting, and it's something to really just uh, continue to talk about, and it's going to be interesting to see how it impacts our markets as we move forward as well. Mac Marshall, USB Vice President of Market Intelligence, also said in that report, and we've talked to Mac many a times, uh, quote, research continues to support our industry philosophy that U.S. soy has the unique ability to solve two existential challenges, food security and renewable energy. Further, this study shows the increase in biofuels has had limited impact on inflation at the grocery store. He went on to say it's also important to keep in mind many factors contribute to rising food prices such as energy and transportation costs, higher wage rates, supply chain disruptions, and more. Well, coming up, we're going to talk markets as we continue the show. Mike Suzalo, Global Commodity Analytics, will join us next. Back with more Market Talk right after this. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Well, on Wednesday, we saw a fairly decent day across grains and livestock with a, a pretty good trade overall, despite the uh, quiet holiday low volume kind of trade that we are seeing here. And we typically see this time of year. Let's discuss. Let's say hello and bring in our good friend, Mike Zuzalo with Global Commodity Analytics. He is joining us here today. Mike, good to have you back on the show, sir. Hope you're doing well. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you. Merry Christmas to you, Jesse, and all the great viewers and listeners out there in Market Talk Agland. Well, we appreciate the time, as always, Mike, and uh, plenty for us to discuss and dive into. Just to set us up real quick, Wednesday's trade action, you know, it's that holiday, low-volume kind of trade, but yet we found a, a positive buying day, maybe some technical moves in this market I know wheat found some good strength on the back of the weather concerns with the cold air and quarter soybeans had a good day. Livestock had a good day. Overall, just felt felt like a positive trading session on Wednesday, Mike. Yeah, third time's a charm when it came to the corn and the wheat being able to finally hold up against some early rally and then midday sell-off. We didn't see that on uh, Wednesday's trade. It was very welcome to see because we had been kind of seen our hopes dashed on Monday and Tuesday. And the market was kind of set up, in my opinion, Jesse, for a third try. And if we didn't have a good time on Wednesday, it could have been a really rough way to close out for the Christmas holiday and the long weekend. But I do think that other than what you brought up, I think the biggest factor that brought on what seemed to be kind of a Santa Claus risk on kind of commodity and asset class wide short covering rally on Wednesday that did hold into the close was maybe the Chinese news that the central government was going to get serious about stimulating growth in 2023. I think that's something the market has been seriously missing and needing to be able to stop selling rallies. And I think that's maybe the best thing I could take away from Wednesday's close. And, you know, right along that same line is we have this mindset now that the Chinese government is serious about stimulating 
their economy because it's getting it's slowing down way too rapidly. But we still do have to walk through the minefield of their COVID surge in China and have to kind of feel our way through whether they can get their economy back running on at least six of eight cylinders with their direct policy moves that they're planning to do here next month. Second thing I'll throw out is the Bank of Japan finally gave up on keeping their interest rates low, keeping their currency weak. And since they changed their mind about 24, 48 hours ago, the Japanese yens rallied about 5%. That I think is starting to bring talk back into the market that not only will money come back into Japan, but it'll come back into the rest of Asia. So you put these two things together, Japan moving aggressively, China moving aggressively, all of a sudden you think, hey, two of the biggest economy uh, and, and economic engines in Asia are making coordinated moves to stimulate their demand. And that should excite the emerging market bull, should excite the commodity mindset. So kind of want to see where this takes us from here. I'm glad you brought that up because I had heard the rumors in the trade about China here today and really this week. And I, I think that's going to be a key component as we look ahead to moving into 2023 is that demand picture for China and more. I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I think you are right. I think the market has been missing that and has been looking for that here for, I'd say, at least the last few weeks, if not longer, Mike. Yeah, the COVID policy, when they went down to a strict zero COVID policy, and then they went to the dynamic zero COVID policy, and then we had the big uh, Communist Party meeting, those things just dashed the hopes of all the commodity bulls out there, it seemed to me. And I think it's really worth noting, Jesse, I'm not saying that this market has a sharp move higher, maybe in the, in the corn or wheat or soybeans. It could. I'm not saying that yet. But what I am saying is we've done enough damage in the price action, especially when it comes to the wheat and the corn. I just looked up today where we were at the end of uh, December of last year, and we were trading right around 770 in soft red wheat. So not only did we get back to the 770 level in soft red wheat, the December low for this month has been around $7. And so, you know, we're talking about a 70 cent discount compared to where we closed a year ago at the end of the year. And I think that's plenty enough damage and discount and, and lack of risk premium and pulling out of risk premium to do the job. And so I do think that you have physical demand and investor demand waiting on the sidelines here um, because of the price action we've seen, whether you're looking at copper, crude oil, many, many commodities have gone back down to or below where they finished a year ago at the end of the year. Mike, I want to talk a little bit about the corn market, and I'll pull up on the video feed that chart you sent me. Uh, looking at the corn spread, you know, this corn trade, it's been interesting. It feels like to me, at least just my thought, it's it's been working with wheat, and it was good to see it, you know, hold the rallies you mentioned earlier here today. Uh, it hold it here and not sell off late. As you look at this corn market entering the final two weeks of the year here and heading into 2023, what stands out to you right now? Yeah, this is a this is lead month corn minus the next contract. So it'd be March minus May. And the, just from educational standpoint, Jesse, wh whether you're talking about commodity index funds that really got ramped up in 2005, 2006, and then took a big hit uh, after the financial crisis, and then we saw the hedge funds come in. And, and it wasn't just about long only funds, but also funds that went long and short. Those two classify classifications of funds still respect very much 
uh, based upon my research and analysis and what I've been able to dig into with how many of them run, they still respect very much the continuation of what the spread looks like between the front end corn and the next contract. And when you have the front end corn, the March contract in this chart showing us at one cent premium to the May, and this was run about midday today. But when you see a premium in the front end, then that starts to signal to many funds that your demand is now outstripping your supply because they are now back to putting more premium in the front end, drawing out, wanting to draw out more supply from producers by putting more premium and more cash uh, in the front end market. And so the that's an inversion, what, what we would call an inversion uh, in the funds mindset. That's called a backwardization market. And this is very interesting because I pulled this chart today because I noticed that the cash basis in some of the river areas and also some of the processors were starting to come up. Even though we had bad ethanol data or negative net ethanol data, I should say, um, I, I was encouraged for the fact that this market's going inverted again in the corn market. And it's really something to watch because these are the types of markets that really can start to stimulate some fund buying. And uh, that's why I'm not ready to say the corn can take off, but I'm also not willing to say that this is a dead cat bounce. And one other thing to notice, the last time we were able to see such a move from say 20 under, in other words, the March corn just recently was 20 cents cheaper, or it would have been the December corn, 20 cents cheaper than the March. Now all of a sudden the March is, 20, is a penny uh, over the May, the last time we were able to do that was back in that 2011, 2012 time period. Um, and so that's pretty substantial when you take it from 20 under to one over and do that within the same uh, roughly month time period. I was going to say, I'm glad you brought that up. I look at this chart, obviously the eerie similarities to back in 2011, 2012, 2013, Mike, compared to now. I wonder if we can look back at history to give us an idea what we could potentially see continue here as we get into 2023 with this core market, just, you know, looking at a chart like this and seeing those similarities, I think it's a question to ponder maybe. Yeah, it's, it's certainly something to watch. And I think we got to keep in mind, no matter how ugly the wheat price gets, it's still our leader. And if the wheat has indeed bottomed at this point, we still have to go back to the idea that if you take China out of the equation and their stockpile that they may or may not have, but whatever they say they have, that's what USDA puts on their supply demand report. But if you take that off the, the ledger, Jesse, we're still dealing with the world wheat ending stocks number that's at a 15-year low minus China. And I think this is where the corn, this is where the rice, this is where the oats, many, many commodities can ping off of the wheat market if we all of a sudden find ourselves in a really tight spot with a lot less supply than we thought we did. And I saw a lot of comments today that the wheat finally bounced because of the cold weather in Kansas. I'm sorry if that's the case, then these people really don't know how to trade and they really should just turn in their money and, and do something else for a living because we've had this weather in this situation for better than a week, what makes today different than yesterday or the day before? And I think it really is more about the macro situation. That's why these spreads do matter a lot. And again, we're having a conversation with Mike Zuzalo of Global Commodity Analytics. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk more about the soybean market and some things he's seeing there. Also going to talk about livestock, really solid day in lean hogs on Wednesday's trade action. We're going to talk about that and also look ahead and try and crystal ball to 2023. That and more coming up here after the break as we're back with more market talk on the way right after this. 
When it comes to protecting your investment in fuel and diesel-powered equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS clearly beats other diesel fuels. New detergents disperse contaminants to prevent sludge that plugs filters and causes unexpected downtime. And now, better moisture handling chemistry helps ensure your fuel stays dry, reducing microbial growth and fuel line freeze-ups. So when you're deciding what fuel to use, choose Diesel X Gold, absolutely the best fuel to power and protect your diesel equipment. Contact your local FS Energy specialist today or visit GoFurtherWithFS.com. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics, is our guest here today. Mike, let's talk the soybean market. Uh, I'll pull up another chart on our video feed as well. And, and I'll look at soybeans, and obviously we've been at this point where we've been bumping up against this overhead resistance at least here the last couple of weeks at 14.90 range, $15 range. I know that's a talking point. We've made some higher highs, some lower lows, maybe shrinking this, you know, this channel that we've been trading in. So that's some thoughts in my head, but as you look at the soy complex, you look at the cash prices at the Gulf here on this chart that we have, what stands out to you right now? Yeah, South American weather, I think, is starting to really translate into this chart. And, and obviously, currencies will too. But what I like about this chart so much is that the Argentine bean export price, as, as shown in the green line, it has developed a substantial premium back up towards its highs for the prices that it had back during the third quarter of 2022. So way back before we even harvested, we're back up to that $625 a ton level. And at the exact same time, that contrasts with a $50 discount in the Brazilian price at $572 a ton, Jesse. And then we're right in the middle of that at the Gulf of Mexico at $600 a ton. What we want to watch for here, and you and I will be looking at this on this chart in the coming weeks on Wednesdays, what we'll want to be watching for is to see if the Brazil price starts to go up towards the Argentine price because the weather, the weather is starting to get worse and because the rains don't come that the market expects here in the next 10 to 14 days. And that's what I'd be watching for is that the 572 in Brazil actually starts to come up towards six or six and a quarter. And then all of a sudden you can start to say and suggest to your clients and subscribers, if you're in my line of work, we'll look at the weather premium that the South American price is getting put it, pushed into. And that really bodes well potentially for the U.S. And why is that so important? Well, not only because it's our weather market in South America and that time period is now, but because China's data this week was dismal. They came in with November uh, imports of soybeans at about 7.4 million tons. I believe I want to say that was down about 14% from last November. And so China really is slowing down, whether you're looking at pork imports or whether you're looking at soy imports, both from the United States and Brazil, they've really slowed down. So it puts more onus on having a weather, having a supply-related problem to justify prices going higher. And this is where the wheat and the corn really do need to come in and help support the soybeans, if you ask me. And if it's a weather market in wheat, like we were talking about a minute ago, it's more about Argentina because they're about 70% harvested. I don't think it's about the weather market here in the States. I think the trade maybe is coming to grips with the idea that we aren't going to get any more wheat out of the Southern Hemisphere because Australia is getting wrapped up, Argentina is getting wrapped up, and it's just not going to come from anywhere else. Good thoughts to consider. One, one quick thought. 
you mentioned the weather market potential South America on soybeans. I know China is their numbers getting dismal, as you mentioned. That export window, that typical export window for beans from the U.S. to China is closing. But I wonder if we have that weather market in South America, does that extend our window just a little bit here in the U.S.? I do think it will, especially if we can get the Japanese yen and the Chinese currency to both strengthen and then the Brazilian currency to go ahead and strengthen as well with all, you know, what we want is all emerging currencies to strengthen mm -hmm. against the dollar and just make us have so much better buying power, or I should say selling power to the world out there through a weaker currency. Okay. Good thoughts there. Let's go over to livestock. Hong market had a really strong day on Wednesday. I know we have quarterly hogs and pigs coming up on Friday on the cattle side. We have the cattle on feed report, but let's start with hogs looking at this chart here on the video feed as well. What are you seeing in this hog market that stands out to you as we near Christmas and the end of the year, Mike? Yeah, the first thing to look at here is the actual price of the hog index, the CME cash index at $81. That is being that is being propelled lower. And look at the slide we've seen. Um, this is being propelled lower by the Chinese hog meat that is not being purchased and, and sent over. And, and we are starting to see, I think, some backlog of domestic production that's coming back into our market. But it's also being projected out through the fact that the pork cutout is not doing well during this time period, and it really should be. In fact, the overall cutout hit 83.50 earlier today, late yesterday. That's the lowest since early December of last year. So that got me thinking about, okay, all of a sudden we've got a CME hog futures rally, very sharp rally today, probably basically on the weather and the winter weather, maybe a little bit on the hogs and pigs question mark, but mainly I think on the weather and all of a sudden we're driving into the end of the year with a growing premium in futures over the cash index, which I typically don't like. But having said that, if you look where the green arrow is, about a year ago, almost exactly in the same time period, we saw a futures rally and all of a sudden the cash index followed the futures higher. So I'm not ready to call the alarm bells yet, but if we continue to see weak pork export sales, Jesse, I am going to be more and more nervous that the hogs are not only going to be limited in the futures market and the funds will turn sellers, but those those that pig meat and that pork will start to backwash into our market more and really start to affect our cattle upside potential as well. That's a great point, and I know that's something you'll continue to track, and we'll track it with you here as we work uh, through the next couple of weeks and get into that first quarter of 2023. Uh, good stuff here. Mike, cattle, I feel like traders may be looking ahead at that cattle on feed report a little bit, but I also think maybe some spillover from the hog market on Wednesday. What's your thoughts in the cattle side? Agree wholeheartedly, and I think we're pricing and also some winter problems and, and marketing, and I, I've already heard that in the middle part of the country that uh, we've just pretty much shut down at this point because of this Arctic bomb that's coming through, this Arctic cyclone uh, bomb that's coming through. And I think this is where you can keep the market fed as far as the bull fed on weather like this, Jesse, but I think we're also attaining some price levels that we really can't shake our heads or turn away from because K-State's break-even numbers right now for December using like a 157, 158 price. 
is putting you at about $120 a head profit at this point. And that's really up there, especially as you get closer to $200 a head. That's very rare that you get those kind of levels of profitability over the course of the last 15, 20 years. So I really do want to take some time and and get some hedges in place if we can get some more moves higher. And especially if that cattle on feed report disappoints that that at the end of the day, the weather's important, but it's really the cattle on feed report that's going to make or break our trend, I think. Well, Mike, I know uh, we can't predict the markets looking ahead. We do our best to have an idea, but we obviously can't you know, completely 100% forecast what's going to happen. But I know looking ahead to 2023, we've had a volatile, wild year in 2022, a lot of different factors, a lot of those same factors probably going to stay in this marketplace moving into 2023. But as we wrap up the year, reflect, look ahead to 2023, what stands out to you is maybe some of the big factors that you're keeping an eye on as we turn that calendar over, Mike. You know, it's interesting, Jesse, because we really haven't replenished supplies this year like the trade was thinking we would, and yet we've kind of acted like we have. And I think that goes back to that demand negativity that we talked about at the top of the show. And I think that is what we need to, quite frankly, shake that ghost of Christmas past off as we get into Christmas future of 2023. And I think we're right on the cusp of doing that because why the two biggest factors that you and I have talked about throughout pretty much all of 2022 is when does the Fed policy get more neutral? When does the Chinese policy get more pro-growth? And all of a sudden, I think now we find ourselves on the doorstep of those two things. And so I think the key with 2023, and I talked to a really good client north of me today, we were talking about new crop bean sales and how this past couple of years selling early in the year seemed like it was some of the lower prices, but that gets you into trouble if you keep in that mindset that this year is going to be that way as well. I really think 2023 could be a year where you can feed the bull through continued bad weather, but you're really pushing on a string and asking the odds man to be in your favor again. So I think locking in great profit, coming back in and buying selectively to reown in case there are weather issues, I think that's the way to go in 2023. And don't just immediately cast off some of these prices that we're looking at, whether you're looking at cattle, 12% higher right now versus last year at this time, or looking at soybeans, which are dancing on $14 again in new crop. Well, Mike, I know end of the year, a great time for folks to reach out, get some advice as they're looking at things heading into a new year. I know you have a lot of great research and a lot of tools available for folks there with globalcomresearch.com, uh, your website and more. And I know that's a great place for folks to start to uh, learn more and uh potentially work with you, isn't it? it? It is. And I think two words that I try and sum up with everything I do, Jesse, is profitability and consistency and recommendations. And so those are the two things that I think about every time I get ready to write copy. And I, I hope that helps a lot of people out there. So sign up for a trial, check out our product services and, and see what kind of line of things that we do probably suit one of your needs. Global Commodity Analytics, and you can find them online, GlobalCom Research, GlobalCom with two M's, GlobalComResearch.com. With that, Mike Zuzalo, Merry Christmas, sir. Thank you, as always, for all the great uh, content and analysis, and I know we'll be talking to you again uh, in the new year. Thanks so much, sir. Jesse, you and uh, the relationship that we have has been a true blessing for me, and I'm so thankful for you and uh, very thankful for all the people out there. So Merry Christmas to you, my friend.
Well, we appreciate it. And again, thank you for the time. That is Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics, joining us here today on Market Talk. Find him online, globalcomresearch.com. That's globalcomresearch.com. And com with two M's, by the way. I always make sure to say that. So if you're looking him up, you, you uh, type in the right web address. Well, coming up here on Market Talk, before we wrap it up today, got a few news headlines. We're going to take a look at what are the next steps in the U.S.-Mexico corn trade dispute. We're going to talk about that. The bill to keep the government funded, that's another topic. And we're going to talk about how the uh, Grassley-Fisher bill didn't make it into this uh, omnibus spending bill. We're going to talk about that story and more. All coming up next as we continue with more Market Talk on the way right after the break. Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to Market Talk. Thanks again to Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics, for joining us with market analysis here on the show today. And uh, always great to have a conversation with Mike and glad we could have him on one more time before we hit the end of 2022 and look ahead to 2023. And it's hard to believe that we are almost turning the calendar to 2023. Man, oh man, it feels like time is just flying by. Well, taking a look at a few news headlines, as well here today a few more news headlines on the show before we wrap it up there's a lot of things going on right now we're watching of course what's going on in washington dc as we see that the senate's 1.7 trillion dollar spending bill to finish this fiscal year boosts agricultural research rural development and nutrition but doesn't include long-fought cattle market reforms the more than 4,000 page bill leaves out controversial legislation sought by iowa republican senator chuck grassley to force some cattle price negotiation by major packers the bill will not include my cattle price discovery and transparency act i'm disappointed that majority leader schumer did not find uh, time on the senate calendar since it was so important for rural america but a second grassley bid to rein in corporate power is included it does include a merger filing fee for antitrust but it raises the figures on uh, big mergers of certain sizes and reduces the fees on smaller mergers. Now, a Senate bill that still faces some GOP opposition in both chambers. It must pass by midnight Friday to keep the government open. It also boosts ag and other spending. $40 billion disaster, storm and wildfire. We haven't figured out how much of that goes to agriculture. The bill is almost $13.5 billion more for SNAP, at least $175 million more for agricultural research, historic increases for rural, broadband, housing, water, and wastewater systems, and $41 million more for FDA food safety, plus help for the infant formula crisis as well. Also, the National Milk Producers Federation commended Congress for including the Growing Climate Solutions Act and the Sustains Act in its final fiscal year 2023 budget package. The measures will help dairy farmers seek additional sustainability opportunities as they work to fulfill the dairy sector's voluntary producer-led goal of becoming greenhouse gas neutral or better by 2050. NMPF President and CEO Jim Mulhern says, quote, environmental markets and conservation programs have the potential to meaningfully assist dairy producers as they work to meet their 2050 environmental stewardship goals, end quote. The Growing Climate Solutions Act would enable USDA to register technical service providers that help farmers implement stewardship practices that can generate credits on environmental markets. The Sustains Act would allow private sector funds to supplement existing funding for farm bill conservation programs, which are continuously oversubscribed 
described. The Senate will vote on the omnibus appropriations bill this week, which also includes $40 billion in disaster funding. Well, U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai on Tuesday announced that the U.S. is requesting new dispute settlement consultations with Canada under the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. The request is over Canada's dairy tariff rate quota, or TRQ, allocation measures. Now, since initiating consultations with Canada in May of this year, the U.S. has identified additional aspects of Canada's measures that appear to be inconsistent with Canada's obligations under the USMCA, and U.S. concerns have only increased. With this new request, the United States expands its challenge of Canada's dairy TRQ allocation measures to include Canada's use of a market share approach for determining TRQ allocations. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack says, quote, Canada remains in violation of its commitments under the USMCA by not removing its trade restrictions on American dairy producers, end quote. Now, in January 2022, a USMCA dispute settlement panel found that Canada's dairy TRQ allocation measures to be inconsistent with Canada's USMCA obligations. Well, the U.S. met with a delegation of government officials from Mexico last week to discuss Mexico's plan to end imports of biotech commodities. Dave Salmonson, American Farm Bureau Federation's senior government affairs director, says Mexico offered a couple new options. Certainly, we view this as an unscientific trade barrier. Mexican representatives put forward a few ideas. Perhaps they would allow for a one-year delay on the implementation of that decree. Perhaps they would talk about letting just in yellow corn, all of which I think are not really acceptable to Farm Bureau, which wants the trade to continue as it has always been. The U.S. and Mexico will continue the discussion next month during the North American Leaders Summit. So you'll have the president of Mexico, the prime minister of Canada, and of course, President Biden to discuss all kinds of issues, one of which we understand will include this issue of biotechnology and corn between the U.S. and Mexico. So perhaps they could come to a deal, settle this issue so that we wouldn't have any disruptions or any limitations on our trade. Now, without an agreement, the U.S. could request a dispute settlement case under the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. And this has also been something that's been urged on the administration, bring a dispute settlement case on the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, saying that Mexico is violating the agreement by putting forth this trade barrier. So those are certainly next steps, and I think they'll be coming along fairly quickly. So we're certainly watching this with great interest. And again, that's Dave Salmonson, American Farm Bureau Federation Senior Government Affairs Director. And lastly, here on Market Talk, as we look at wrapping things up for the show today, uh, one other news item I wanted to share, just uh, looking at some of the news wires here on the day today, we see that uh, the Department of Agriculture and the Office of the U.S. Trade Representative, they are accepting applications for new members to serve on agricultural trade advisory committees. Now, members of the Agricultural Policy Advisory Committee advise the administration on implementing and enforcing existing U.S. trade agreements negotiation of new agreements and other trade policy matters. Members of the six Agricultural Technical Advisory Committees, or ATACs, provide technical advice and guidance on international trade issues that affect specific agricultural commodity sectors. They focus on trade in animals and animal products, fruits and vegetables, grains, feed, oil seeds, and planting seeds, processed foods, sweeteners and sweetener products, tobacco, cotton, and peanuts. Now, applicants must have expertise in U.S. agriculture and experience in international trade to be considered for committee membership. Application instructions, they're available online at fas.usda.gov. That's fas.usda.gov. Applications must be received by 5 p.m. Eastern on January 31st. So something to keep in mind if you're interested. 
Well, that's going to do it for the show today. Thanks again for joining us. Coming up tomorrow, Brian Doherty with Total Farm Marketing will join us as we head more towards Christmas. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Have a fantastic rest of your day. When it comes to protecting your investment in fuel and diesel-powered equipment, Diesel X Gold from FS clearly beats other diesel fuels. New detergents disperse contaminants to prevent sludge that plugs filters and causes unexpected downtime. And now, better moisture handling chemistry helps ensure your fuel stays dry, reducing microbial growth and fuel line freeze-ups. So when you're deciding what fuel to use, choose Diesel X Gold, absolutely the best fuel to power and protect your diesel equipment. Contact your local FS Energy Specialist today or visit GoFurtherWithFS.com.